prayer. The very idea seems audacious, revolutionary, full of wonder and mystery. An invitation to speak to God, to seek, to knock, to ask. Like a little child climbing into father's arms, prayer is an intimate and personal experience. It's about opening your heart to a loving God, a good father, the one who truly knows you and truly loves you. Prayer is trusting him with your worries and fears, your hopes and dreams, your needs and desires. It's about carrying all life's burdens, big and small, before the throne of God and resting in the limitless peace of His extravagant grace. So pray without ceasing. Pray for each other as you would pray for yourself and praise Him for His faithfulness because there is power in prayer. I'm smiling for a number of reasons, primarily because I don't know, there's something going on in this second celebration recently. Last couple of weeks, you folks have been off the chain in a good way. I'm so, uh, I love your passion and your excitement and your engagement. Uh, hey, if you're a guest here, my name is Benji. I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here and just so thankful that you would come and be with us today. We start a series, as you know, called After Amen. And when we just stop and think about it for just a moment, and I heard you guys hooting and hollering and celebrating in that video, prayer is, a, prayer is an intimate connection that we have with Almighty God. And if you actually stop and think about it for a moment, it's actually very audacious. Have you ever thought about this? How audacious is it for us to believe, and we should believe it because the Bible says it, that, that sinful me can speak and communicate with a holy God? I mean, that's audacious when you think about it. It's also very mysterious. There are so many things about prayer that we don't understand. And in this particular series, we're going to be going after prayer from a different angle. I believe there's been a lot of messages taught, and we're really good at knowing what we should do before we pray. I don't think the church has done that good of a job of knowing what to do after Amen. And so we're going to go get that in this series. I just want to say this on the front end. By the way, my goal during this series, I, I, I am not going to make any of you feel guilty for not praying more. Some of you I know, in fact, I would dare say most of us in here, I know that's a blanket statement, but I've been doing this a while now. I actually believe it to be true as I've talked to people. And I know in my own life, most of us would confess that at times we don't feel like we pray enough. Agreed? And so my job, my goal in this series is not to, to make you feel guilty for not praying more. My goal is to help us understand the power of prayer and that what happens after we say amen is incredibly, incredibly important. We have all prayed for heavy stuff, right? We've all prayed for heavy stuff. Sometimes God interacts and intervenes on our behalf and he answers our prayers. But I'm just wondering, is there anybody here who you've prayed for some heavy, heavy stuff before and you needed God to come through, but sometimes God has not done what we wanted God to do? 
We're going to be honest up in here during this series. Is that okay with you? I mean, I think this would involve every single person in here and those of you who are online. How many of us, and I, you know, I, I said not long ago, I'm trying not to say this word anymore because I'm sick of it, but like COVID. How many of us during, <laughs> how many of us during COVID prayed that it would come to an end? That's everybody. That's all of us, right? All of us prayed that, and yet that is not what God did. And I just want to state this for the record. And, and, and listen, I'm not a medical doctor, but I just want to state this. Listen, COVID's here to stay. It's a virus, church. It's a virus. And they're gonna, you're going to keep hearing about I'm going to keep hearing about strand X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E. Listen, it's a virus, and it's going to be here. And my hope and prayer is now shifted to hopefully we'll just become familiar with it as if we do the flu. And we will not let it interact and interfere with us living our one and only life anymore. Mainstream media is going to try to freak you out and stress you out every chance it can and steal your joy. Don't you let it happen. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I see you're with me. <laughs> Enough already, right? But we've all prayed for heavy stuff. And, and I know Garth Brooks said, if you're not a country music fan, you should be. I, I know Garth Brooks says some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer, but like, I love that song, but like, I don't love that thought. And sometimes God chooses not to answer our prayers, or maybe what God does when we don't like it, God says no, right? And, and we've all prayed for heavy stuff, and God didn't answer, or God said no. We've all prayed, maybe you're here and you're a family, and you've prayed that a parent would be free from cancer, and it just didn't turn out like that. Or a couple has prayed for a pregnancy. That's a heavy subject for couples wanting to have children. A church has prayed for God to move powerfully in its city. A single person has prayed that God would bring them a special someone to love them and, and have intimacy and joy and love in that capacity. A pastor has prayed for his congregation to get serious about following Jesus. We've all prayed for things, and sometimes God moves on our behalf, and we see it directly, and sometimes God does not. What do we do with that? Like, I'm going to really challenge us to think during this series to put our thinking caps on, to think theologically about the big subject matter of prayer and how God does not always do what we want God to do. And many churches and many pastors won't touch those subjects with a 10-foot pole, but we're gonna go there. And I'm hoping and, prayer that when we, I'm hoping and praying that when we come out of this series, we will be a church more dialed in to prayer, but we will be a church that understands also more theologically about who God is and what is my role, because you have a role. What is my role in the midst of all of that? So we might as well start off with some big questions. Let's ask them. Why does God say no to some prayers? And why does God say yes to some prayers? Like, why does God say sometimes yes to other people's prayers, but no to mine? I can't stand that. You been there? Like you're, you're ever praying for something, man, and you, you feel like your prayers don't get above the ceiling and you got, you got sister or brother over here and they just praising the Lord all the time by the, the way God's just doing all that stuff. I told somebody the other day, they said, I went to the mall the other day and the parking lot was full. So I started praying, pastor, that God would open up a parking spot. And they said, you wouldn't believe it. A car backed out, whoa, around the front row. I'm like, seriously, seriously, Right. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting question to consider. The only thing worse than God's silence 
is when we often hear God or people celebrating what God has done in their lives. Yeah, we want to celebrate with them, but we want God to hear our prayers. And come on, I just want you to know you're in a safe place. If you're here and you've had some of this happen to you, you start to question if you're not careful, is God really good? Does God really care about me? Right? We, we question God's hearing. Here, here's a question. Is God even listening to me? Right, you, ever, you ever been talking to somebody on the phone and you, you, you drop out of a cell tower? Can you hear me? <laughs> Are you, can you hear me? Are you out there? Right? Is God even listening? Church, I've prayed for 34 years for my dad to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 34 years. Years and that from that relationship with Christ, he and I would establish a healthy father son relationship. And I got nothing to this day. What do you do with that? I wish you could see your faces. Your care and empathy is unbelievable right now. There's a, there's a seriousness in the room and you're thinking right now. This is what I want us to do. Does God even care? That's a question that some of you have asked. Because the silence, come on, the silence can be deafening at times. Where was God when this went wrong? Or where was God when that happened to me as a little girl or a little boy? And when you don't think that God hears, it's easy, come on, it's easy just to start I don't know, playing it safe in prayer, right? It's easy, it's easy to start hedging your bets. You know what I mean? Like, like you start praying for things like, Lord, bless this meal in Jesus' name. Anybody can pray for dinner, man. It's different to pray for dinner than to pray for somebody to be healed. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or the weatherman who, or the woman who gets on the TV and says, a storm is coming and the storm might hit land, but it might stay out at sea, <laughs> Right? Well, hedging your bets. It's kind of like when you're at a Super Bowl party. You ever been around somebody or a big game party and, and, and you ask them who they're pulling for? Oh, I'm pulling for both teams. <laughs> really? We, we, we start playing it safe. We start playing it safe because we're afraid that, that God will let us down and we don't want God to let us down. So we just start praying safe, tame prayers. We often wonder, what is our part? We know about God's part, and sometimes we're not sure what he's doing, but what, what about our part? How many of you remember the great, great movie? If you haven't seen this, you need to go watch this. A Few Good Men. It's a little dated now, A Few Good Men. Jack Nicholson is playing Colonel Nathan Jessup. He's bad to the bone too, right? And then you got, look at young Tom Cruise. It's been a while, but if you haven't seen this one, this is a good one. You got Tom Cruise. He's playing Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. It's one of the most powerful, and I believe still to this day, one of the best courtroom scenes of all times in the movies. And I don't know if you remember that scene, but, but basically, Kathy, Tom Cruise, is asking for some flight records from Jessup, to which Jessup is clearly annoyed, and he yells out, I will answer you under one condition, to which Kathy says, well, what is that? He says, you have to ask me nicely. <laughs> Right? I, I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes I catch myself wondering, do I need to ask God nicely? Like, what do I need to do to make God uncross his arms and answer my prayers more? 
That's not good theology. God always hears, but we, we slip into that, do we not? Over the next few weeks, actually, probably about six or seven, I think we'll make this series a little bit longer. I was working on this all day yesterday, and I think this is, we're gonna make this a six or seven week deal. We're gonna dive in to some big questions. We're gonna put our thinking caps on just like they are right now for you, and we're gonna, we're gonna ask ourselves some, some questions, and the primary one that we're gonna dive into is this question. Can my actions... After my prayer, determine his answers. That's a good question. Why don't we read it out loud? Go. Can my actions, after my prayer, determine his answers? Because we all know what to do before we pray, or at least we've been taught. Confess your sins. Go into your room in your prayer closet. Be a good boy, be a good girl, be honest, whatever the case may be. But have you ever wondered what to do after you pray? Here's another way of thinking about it. Do my actions after prayer really have anything to do with God's answer? Have you ever thought about that? Is there anything you and I may be doing or not doing that could cause us not to see God's answers or perhaps worse, for God to choose to say no? And there comes that moment when we're, when we're desperate enough to cry out to God and we pour out our prayers to God, making promises and deals and confessions, and then we say amen. But what do we do after amen? Now, here's what's fascinating. When you look at the ministry of Jesus and you study him closely in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find, yes, and again, I think the church has done good with this part. Yes, Jesus in the Bible teaches us about what to do before we pray or during our prayer. But what we have not realized is that the Bible also teaches us what to do after we pray, after we say amen. For example, just a few, John 5, 8, Jesus said, get up. Take up your mat and go. Didn't answer the prayer right away, just told a brother, get up, take up your mat and go. John 9, 7, go and wash your eyes. We're gonna look at that passage in just a moment. It is bizarre, it is mysterious, and it is fascinating. But before God does what the brother wants him to do, Jesus says, go wash your eyes. Luke 7, 14, go and show yourself to the priest. Mark 14, 34, stay here and keep watch. Could it be that the answer to our prayers, come on, may hang in the balance of what we do after we say amen? Here's a big question. What do we do with, what do we do while we wait for God to answer our prayers? What do we, what do we do? What do we do? So the themes that we're gonna hit on, and, and I hope, I, I'll just tell you this, Ralph, I hope this whets your appetite. I hope you won't even think about missing a single Sunday of this series. And so to do that, I wanna tell you where we're going. Here are, the, here are the themes that we're gonna be hitting on after amen. Number two, you're like, well, why ain't you doing number one? Because I'm gonna teach on number one in just a moment. <laughs> number two, after amen, we align with the Why? When you pray and with you, when you become a person of prayer, you have to align your life with the why. We'll unpack that more next week. Number three, we yield to the how. We yield to the how. That's gonna be a message. Here's one. We do the next right thing. Key. The next one, 
Number five, we share the last 10%. Some of us are guarded in our prayers, right? We, we, we hedge our bets, like I said, and we pray tame prayers. So, so we share the last 10%. We prepare along the way, and we remember God's faithfulness. And again, I hope you will make a commitment today. I'm not gonna miss a single Sunday. And if you're online and you live anywhere in this area, we hope that you'll come on back and join us. Come on, church, let them know. Come on back, we'd love to have you. And if you're online and you live out of state or whatever, we're so glad you are online with us. Here's the first one, here's the first one. You ready? Everybody say, bring it. Here's the first one. Here's the first thing we do after amen. After amen, you have to work while you wait. Yes, they said. We have to what, church? We have to while we, we have to while we See, the truth is, many of us, we have this high theology of God, and you should, right? God is awesome, and I can't even begin to you know, fathom the mystery of God. But because of that high theology, sometimes we fall into this trap. And we've been taught this, you know, just pray, just pray and trust God. You ever heard that? Just pray, and, and we should pray and trust God. But what, what that can easily translate into is I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to sit on my derriere. Well... And I'm just going to let God be God and I'm going to be lazy old complacent me. That is poor theology. After amen, you have to work while you wait. This is massively important. In other words, you have a role to play. I have a role to play. And I, you know, I'm like you. Wouldn't it be great if we could just say a prayer? Lay on the couch, eat Doritos, watch ESPN and leave it with God, Right? But God doesn't move that way. We have a role to play. Open up your Bibles to John chapter nine. I told you we would come to this brother. Mysterious, bizarre text in the Bible. John chapter nine. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear an amen. amen. We're gonna be reading these first few verses and then I'll talk about, about 20 verses and then there's one final statement I'll look at. Verse one. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth, he being Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened to show that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, we must do the what, church? We must do the works of him who sent me. Like what I'm gonna teach you today in closing is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus like, I was sent from the Father. I have work to do. When you become a Christian, you're sent from the Father. You have work to do. Then Jesus says this, night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse six, after saying this, now this is, this is bizarre, this is weird, this is mysterious, some of you in the medical field or some of you who are still very, very cautious about COVID, you're gonna look at this right here and you're gonna go, ooh, this freaks me out. Watch this. After saying this, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus spit on the ground. He hawked a loogie. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that in church. I didn't do that last, sir. <laughs> Dude, you gotta learn to read the Bible and kind of get into it. it Jesus hawks a loogie. That's Benji's translation. The Bible does not say that. But it does say Jesus spit on the ground. So, I mean, you can picture him going like this if you want. I think he probably... 
Look at this. He spit on the ground, made some mud pies with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. There it is again. So the man went and washed and came home, what? Seeing. Oh, wow. Way to go. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged, asked, him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit along and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like the brother. But he himself insisted, what? I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, <laughs> this man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. When? And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. Now I encourage you to go read the rest of uh, John chapter nine because after this, there are over 20 verses of the religious Pharisees drilling this dude. I mean, investigating him. How did it happen? Who did it? And they just won't, they won't let him off the mat. And this blind beggar who can now see basically says this in verse 25b, one thing I do know, help me out church, I was, but now I, I was what? I was blind, but now I see. Now here's what's crazy about that passage. Jesus did not answer his request which was what, you remember? Pick him up, take him to the pool, drop him in, because they believed there was healing powers in that water. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't do what some of us would like Jesus to do. Jesus just didn't say, hey, no problem. Bam, you're healed. <laughs> no, Jesus gets involved in it because he always gets involved in our affairs. But then the brother had a role to play. The brother had to go wash his eyes before he could see, you have a role to play in this whole mysterious subject of prayer. We have a role to play, and our role is to work. It is to get busy. It is to do the things of God, and when God sees us do the things of God, that's when God starts to unleash his power and his blessings and his healing and his favor in our lives. I debated whether I was going to share this, but I'll go ahead and share it. Um, you all know, like, well, let's start with this way. Like, guys, there have been times, I just want to be honest with you up here today. There have been times when, like, I, I don't feel like I'm that good of a prayer. Like, I, I, when I start talking about action and working, like, that, that's me. Like, I know that so many of you pray for me more than I pray for myself. And, um, there have been times when I've struggled with prayer. Like, how do you, how do you again, how do you pray for your old man for 34 years and nothing happened and you just, so, so I, I, I'm in this with you. And there are times when I've struggled with prayer and just leaned into the sovereignty of God and trusted that God was fully in control and I just wanted to be about God's business and I'll just leave the rest with him. And besides that, he knows if he's sovereign, he knows what I'm gonna pray, so why pray? You ever thought this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, I've had times where I struggle with prayer. Right now, I happen to be in a season where I've never been more fired up and excited and, and believe in prayer than I do now. And I think that's because of the motorcycle accident I had six weeks ago. I 
I came really close to going to be with the Lord. I, you know the story, and if you didn't, I'll just real quickly, I come around a curve, guy came over, crossed the line, completely ran me off the road, uh, jackknife, went flying through the air about 25, 30 feet, missed the telephone pole by six inches. I don't know if I've told you this, but I went back to the scene of the accident, and what I didn't know that day is there was, you know, telephone poles have cables? I flew six inches beside the, the pole, I flew in between the pole and this cable. I could have been decapitated, I could have broke my neck, I'm, I, I, I mean, I... And I laid on the ground there and I thought my back was broke and all that kind of stuff. I won't get into all the, the stories, but I went to the hospital, long story short. Um, um, I, the doctor uh, saw me and then uh, I was there all night long. And then um, I, I did share this one time. And if you didn't hear it, please don't email me about it because I already got some emails from you. I, I, I left the hospital. I, I, they wouldn't release me. So I went there about five o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and I stayed all the way till seven o'clock in the morning. Can we just not all agree that's long enough to be in the emergency room? <laughs> I mean, to me, the emergency room and the DMV, they're about the same place. Just, just go and kill me now, right? And if you're in the medical field, I love you. I'm sorry, but like, I don't wanna go to the emergency room. So at seven o'clock, they wouldn't release me, but we had church. It was Saturday, so we had church on Sunday. And we had all these families, remember that? that I was gonna dedicate all their precious little babies. And um, I kept trying to get them to let me go and they wouldn't. And so finally I just got up and unhooked stuff and <laughs> I did. And, and, and <laughs> sorry. And I walked out of the hospital and I came here. Now, now I, I told you that, that that doctor reprimanded me. I mean, tore me up told me if I didn't like it, I should go find another hospital. This was UNC. I guess he was saying you could go to Duke, right? <laughs> I said, well, can I come see you this week? He said, no, you left the hospital. If you're gonna see me, you're gonna come back to the emergency room. Remember that? So I had to go back into the emergency room, go back through that process again. Shoot me now, right? Did it all again. Well, anyway, I went to see him this week and the guys, I'm a miracle because like they showed me the x-rays between six weeks ago and today and they, you would not believe the difference in my vertebrae. And he basically said that within about four to five weeks from now, I'm gonna be fully healed, no pain. Praise God, praise God, praise God. But this is what, this is what I want to know. You, he reprimanded me. Some of you reprimanded me. Some of you are probably going to reprimand me today. I probably deserve to be reprimanded. But you can call me stupid if you want. But at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning, I just decided. I've prayed. Well, by that point in time, I'd prayed 14 hours. I'd prayed for 14 hours. <laughs> I'd been in the hospital for 14 hours. And I just decided if they're going to release me or not, I'm going back to work for God. I'm going to church. Now, see, that's what I expected. Some of you are like, yeah. Others of you are like, you're an idiot. Well, that's cool. That's cool. But that's what I did. And, and, and I don't know. I'm not claiming this. I don't know. But could it be? Could it be that one of the reasons why God is graciously unleashing his healing power in my life is that I was not going to allow an automobile accident or a doctor or a nurse to keep me away from the house of God, trying my very best to do the work of God? I don't know. Those are theological questions, but that's kind of what this, this theme is talking about today. While we wait, we do what? We work. While we wait, we do work. So lean in and watch this. God is faithful, not just while we wait, but while we what, church? What's up, Josh? 
Josh is a cardiologist. Josh, was I a bad boy when I left the emergency room? <laughs> Don't do that, Josh. I shouldn't do that again, Josh. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I should have just. I should have just called another staff person and let them lead that day, right? Or me. Or you, or Josh. Give it up for Josh, a heart surgeon. God is faithful not just while we what? But while we work. And our actions after amen quite often determine God's answer. Look at this. Could it be? I'm going to let that one hang there for a moment. Could it be that God is waiting on you? He's waiting on you to get up, wash some stuff off like the blind beggar, and receive your blessing or miracle. All the while you're waiting on God, could it be God's waiting on you? Come on. Next one. Maybe the answer you seek is found while you work, not while you wait. You see, a lot of people, again, and I, again, I'm with you in this. I've done this. We, that's just beautiful, Josh. Man, he's just like, oh. If you get too pretty, like, you'll put some people to sleep with that, brother. That, that's nice. A lot of people, you know, we pray, and then we just wait, and we just expect God to do it all. Listen, I love you. God does not usually, God can do whatever God wants to do, but God usually does not work like that. Faith involves action. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Could, could this bring new meaning? Could this expand our biblical understanding of that verse that we all know very well, James 2.20, faith without works is, you see it? Have you ever thought about that against the backdrop of prayer? Probably not. So what should we do after? Amen. We should work, church. We should get busy. We should be doing the things of God. And I can't fully explain it. I'm not smart enough. But here's how I live my life. I pray as if everything, everything depends upon God. And I work as if everything depends upon me. And somewhere out there, mysteriously in the grand scheme of Yahweh, God and me intersect. And that's where God does his greatest work. So we work. We join him in that. Come on, church, say this with me. We work while we wait. Come on, we work while we wait. One more time. We work while we wait. Let me give you some homework. Can I give you some homework? Here's some homework for you this week. What exactly are you asking God to do in your life? And it might not be, you know, you haven't been in your prayer closet and you're not, not like, you got a prayer journal and some of you do, that's awesome. I do, but like, I'm just talking about like, even if you don't consider yourself prayerful, I know you and I know your heart and you're a good person. It's why you're here. You want to learn these things. What is it that you're deeply desiring in your life? You know, you can, you can pray riding down the road. You know this, don't you? Just don't close your eyes, but you can pray. You, 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 you pray anywhere. And, and I know you think about such things, communing with God. 
What are the desires of your heart? Psalm 37, four. What are you asking God to do in your life? Ask that question. Write that down. Think about that. And, and maybe, maybe because of some of the theology that I've talked about, you've kind of given up on it so you don't think about that stuff anymore. Let this encourage you. Like, get dialed into what is it that you're desiring in life? What are your deepest desires? What do you long for in your career, in your relationship life, maybe in your parenting, in your dating, in your marriage, whatever the case may be? What is it that you're wanting God to do in your life? And here's the next part of the assignment, simple assignment. Turn that into a prayer. God, I'd really, I'd really like you to blank. And fill it in. Write pages of notes on that. Like, just share your heart with God. Start, start increasing your prayer temperature these days. God, I'd really like you to blank. But here's the key part. But until then, I will keep, or I will start. I should have put slash start. I will keep or I will start doing blank. Pretty simple homework assignment, is it not? Corey Ten Boom, we'll end with this. Corey Ten Boom, I'm, I'm sure you've heard pastors like me quote her for many times over the years. I'm a big Corey Ten Boom fan. Corey Tempoon waited for years in a concentration camp during World War II. She knows what it's like to pray and pray and pray and pray, and sometimes the answer is no or wait. And all she wanted to do was see the war come to an end. She wanted to be reunited with her family. She wanted to be released from the concentration camp. And after that harrowing experience, she writes these words. We never know how God will answer our prayers. But we can expect that he will, this is key, he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. So sometimes we have to wait. But what do we do when we wait? Come on, what do we do? We work for the things of God. We pray, again, let me say it one more time. We pray like it all depends on God. But we work like it all depends on us. And mysteriously, I have found that those two eventually intersect and that is when a person steps in to the blessings and the favor and the healing and the abundance of almighty God. That is when a person experiences John 10, 10. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Can I get an amen, church? If you receive it, let me hear you celebrate and praise the Lord today. Come on, let's pray. All hands bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray to the Father. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. I thank you for those who are online. I thank you for this mysterious topic. But Father, I thank you for the way in which we can get into your word and we can study not the stuff before the prayer or even the prayers in general, but we can actually look at what do we do after amen. Father, I pray your blessings upon this series. 
I pray that you move mightily on behalf of this church. Father, I pray that when it is all said and done, we will be a church that prays more, but we will be a church that more faithfully and theologically understands who you are, what you do, why you do it, and how you are doing it. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We, we take courage. Father, in the midst of our waiting sometimes, we take courage because we know that you are trustworthy. So, Father, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon this song as we sing about the waiting. Oh, God, be glorified, be honored, be magnified, be exalted in our lives this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.